Merson has scored it. Arsenal legend Paul Merson, John O'Shea and Wes Brown are coming to Dublin. It's an exclusive off-air event, so if you want to be there, get on to offtheball.com forward slash events. Just Eat, the official food delivery partner of the UEFA Champions League. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. Now, Michael Verney is with us to talk about the hurling at the weekend. Michael, good morning to you. How are you? Gentlemen, how are we? Not yeah. only that, preview and punches sound today in the jack of so many trades. Only Fools and Horses fan, Snooker fan. Yeah, I was expecting you to greet me with an uh, right, Marco. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Loves the darts. He, yeah, all rounder, really. Ah, uh, yeah. Sure, listen, you have to have many coals in the fire, don't you? Uh, is it 20 to 1 Willie Mullins for, for winning more than 12 or is it more than 16 great group ones this week there's a headline in one of the papers today yeah it's, un, it's, unparalleled unprecedented levels of uh, domination even by his standards yeah it's outrageous I think it was 33 to 1 from to win the 12 grade ones this week he probably won't but he probably won't be a million miles off he'd probably hit double figures anyway uh, it's a mad week he'd 19 winners I think two years ago He'd probably hit 15 or 16 this week. It's, it's, it's nuts, really. It's down to 20 to 1. That's according to okay. the... There are, you, are you there this week, Michael? I am indeed, John. It's, 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 not, it's not the worst your job this worst journalist to be going from like high-profile Gaelic games the weekend and then to punch a sound and back again the following weekend. It could be, could be worse. Good time of the year, in fairness. Well, it's like this. I thought it was getting the short straw. I've been sent to O'Connor Park for the footballers there the other day. And, and I tell you... I, that was one of the that was one of the great days. It was a brilliant day, and it's probably a little, well, a little bit unexpected. And I was um, long live the provincial form. championship. Yeah, well, I tell you something, and it's it's um it's weird because uh, you know our semi final has potential ramifications for Cork and Kildare as well. Mm. So it, I think it's an unintended consequence of the provincial championships now that other people are looking over their shoulders, thinking if you know X or Y wins here, we could be in the Talchin Cup. So it is definitely uh, it's definitely made things a bit more interesting. But funnily enough, it's nearly the early stages that make it more interesting. The finals probably won't be as uh, maybe worthwhile or as meaningful as some of the earlier games. Uh, on that point, right? Um, this is the time of the year where we get to have these conversations about the tune-up that is the Leinster hurling championship for particularly for Kilkenny and potentially Galway this year. Uh, let's wait and see how how Dublin recover from the draw up in Belfast. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the bear pit that is the Munster hurling championship is going to eradicate two of the best teams in the country from all Ireland contention. It does feel as if maybe we could revisit this a little bit. Yeah, well, if you were picking a top seven in the country five of them are definitely going to be from Munster realistically and Kilkenny and Galway are going to be thrown in in you know whatever order you want it could be second or third it could be third and fourth it could be fourth and fifth or whatever but Munster are definitely going to have five of those top seven and you know, it's a situation where Kilkenny can ease TJ Reid back into action. I know they're playing Galway this weekend and he won't be eased in this weekend, but, uh, you know, you can nearly... There's games in Leinster where you can afford to give guys game time. You do not get that luxury in Munster at all. As you say, it's a bear pit, a shark tank. You're going in. If you are if you lost last weekend, you're under serious pressure going in this weekend. And uh, it's a bit skewed. The only thing is about the provincials in, in hurling and football... The Munster Hurling title still has so much standing, like so much standing. And the, the the final last year would tell you exactly what it meant to the two teams involved. It's still huge to win Munster. It's still big to win Leinster, but not as big as Munster. So until 
until that's you know somewhat degraded, I, I I'm not sure when that change is going to come because it is a massive like the Munster teams would see win a Munster as the second biggest thing that we can do this year. I I, I look I I I buy that right and I, down to the point where if if Clare had won last year, uh, Brian Lowen his job would be safe for another five years after that, but. Uh, there is a bit where at some point somebody in Munster is going to re- realise that like they, you know, some team is going to go out having maybe drawn two matches, won one, and still you you're not in the All Ireland series. Where whereas you know um, in this year, for example, it could be a mediocre Dublin or a mediocre Wexford team given their injuries and uh, caveat that with the injuries that they have, and it's obviously an evolutionary uh, Dublin team are going to be in an All Ireland series, and that's just not fair. Yeah, uh, listen, I don't know when it's going to happen, but realistically, it's putting 10 or 11 teams together. Well, probably going to have an even number, splitting them into two groups that are equally as cutthroat as the other and two to three come out or it's a Champions League format style. That's what's going to happen probably eventually. Don't see it happening in the next couple of years, but it is going to happen eventually. Like There's calls at the moment. When you hear calls for you know the fourth in Munster to play the third in Leinster, like that's so messy but that's kind of where we are at the minute just given how but that would be better a wild card weekend I mean they have it in all the well it's all it's also like the the nonsense of the Leinster Championship like Galway is far more um, you know in terms of uh, location all that's far more in tune with Clare Hurland like Galway playing in Innes Galway playing in Limerick is just down the road Galway's rivals are basically in in Kilkenny and Wexford which are essentially miles away so like it is like it is an anachronism as it is anyway yeah, it is, it is a bit mad when you think about Galway travelling to play Wexford as it did last year, or even Wexford travelling to play Galway. Like you're travelling, you know, two thirds of the country to play somebody that's within your own province. Do you know what I mean? It is, it is a bit mad. We also have Antrim in mm. the Antrim make a ridiculous trip down to Wexford Park this weekend. And I know we talked about Wexford and Dublin fight now for that third spot, but they've kind of they've kind of uh, ruffled a few feathers already last weekend they should have beaten Dublin up in Corrigan Park and they'll half answer their chances going down to Extra Park at the weekend as well that's a that's kind of um, that's lit up Leinster a small bit if they hadn't done that it would probably be predictable enough and you're just waiting for the result of Dublin and Wexford to see who gets third but that has definitely made it more interesting allied to the fact that Lee Chin and, and Damien Reck didn't play last weekend and I was just looking at GA going is looking at Dar Egan chatting to Chin and he has an AC joint injury in his shoulder and you're just thinking they're four or five down will I bring him in or will I make sure that he's 20 or 30% better off next weekend when we have like a, a seriously um, a serious banana skin coming down to extra Park yeah I, I, look if, if he's fit it's a complete game changer for them for all sorts of reasons um, in that game against Antrim I, I do want to just ask you about um the John Kiley anger in the aftermath of the game where he's talking about the bullshit that was spoken about Limerick um, I can I can see his point uh, but I do also think that that's just the price of being successful and I suspect that the message that he was given out was as much for his own players as it was for the media and everybody else like it's not going to stop people saying Limerick are still overwhelming short price favourites to be the All-Ireland champions this year and actually they probably got exactly what they wanted from the game of the weekend. Oh, Sunday was the perfect scenario, wasn't it? They 
they, they they won a game that they should have lost and they've got all the ramifications of losing a big game the, the Kylie the, or the stick that Kylie has to beat them with now but they didn't actually lose the game the aura is still there Limerick can win playing that badly put, putting up a tally that they hadn't put uh, you know, a paltry tally that they hadn't put up in years with 14 men against a team that are flying and a team that looked to like on that day looked to have them tactically figured out so to me it's the perfect situation for Kylie it was an unusual one we were only chatting on the, the throw in pod in the Indo yesterday we were just saying it's not something that Cody would have done Cody wouldn't have made any reference to you know anything that was been said or it wouldn't have even said that any bit of it had seeped into his camp so it was interesting to hear hear that as well but um, just a bit that's probably a bit of frustration because you're trying to um, you're trying to almost cocoon your players and you have people saying that they're going to win six in a row before they've even poked the ball to win four in a row um, and those are just the little elements of complacency that you just do not want to set into your camp. They're, they're, they're disastrous consequences within your camp if they, if they do set in. And I think it's the perfect scenario for them. And as well as that, tactically, as I said, they looked like uh, it looked like Watford figured them out. And Davy Fitz deserves huge credit. Um, and he gets his criticism from me included. But he obviously had he had planned that down to the nth degree. And they just couldn't put the ball over the bar with the chances that they had. They should have realistically gotten something out of that game. And Paul Canark is going to be so frustrated with this idea of that somebody hasn't figured out. And now they're going to be thinking, OK, every team we play are going to adopt similar tactics to Watford did on Sunday. What are we going to do to counteract that? And what they do to counteract it is going to be fascinating. I thought Kilkenny had tried to do that in the league final and Limerick had just thought their way around it. Whereas obviously with the step up from Waterford, uh, maybe it's just the fact that it was the Munster Championship, I don't know, and obviously it wasn't the full Kilkenny side, but it, it looked like uh, whatever physicality Kilkenny had brought, Waterford had taken it to a slightly higher level, which um, maybe they're one of the few teams, maybe Galway are also capable of doing that, are they? There was a couple of things that they did. Um, Nicky Quaid has obviously got the ball in his hand 40 to 45 times per game, Every time he looked up, Watford had somebody standing in one of the wings, particularly Hegarty's wing. He literally could not poke the ball down that wing. They refused to give Barry Nash any sharp puck out. So uh, it's mad. They deemed Sean Finn the lesser of the playmakers in the full back line. They refused to let Barry Nash get any ball from the sharp puck outs. They almost gave it to Finn and, you know, would take the consequences of whatever he, whatever he did with the ball. I remember at one stage, and Shane Dowden highlighted on the Sunday game, uh, Desi Hutchinson like was just basically tracking Nash's run. He refused, they refused to let him get ahead up a steam. And... Uh, Limerick's a lot of options that they would normally have they didn't have on Sunday Kilkenny tried some things in the league final but it wasn't no it was in a different stratosphere of what Waterford were doing the other day and it's just unfortunate from their respect that they emptied themselves and have nothing to show for it and have to get themselves back up for a team that didn't play in the opening when, uh, opening weekend uh, against when they play Cork this weekend now so that's going to be a fascinating one the, the, the minute or minute and a half between the penalty miss and Hegarty sending off I thought was just amazing and I was only watching it here the the intensity of the tackling and I, I think that's kind of been a little bit lost in the second yellow because tackles were absolutely flying in the crowd was going wild like and the Watford fans were really really um, you know getting behind them and there's obviously this animosity almost towards Limerick now that Limerick are so good that you want to take them down but that that intensity um I'm, I'm not trying to exonerate Hegarty but like there were there were so many tackles going in at that time and you do wonder now he is a bit of a marked man like in terms of the yellow cars and the reds that he's getting 
Yeah, nah, the intensity was something else, Johnny. Yeah, it's kill or be killed out there now. If you if you stand back, you're you're a dead man walking, basically. Um, it's funny, Hegarty's first yellow was for Mountain at the referee, mm. which I'm sure to be very disappoint, disappointed with because, you know, if it, if it was another robust tackle or something like that, you'd say, fair enough, he got he got two yellows. Now, the tackle on Conor Gleeson for the second yellow, like he like he creamed him. That was there, were probably, red, there were nearly two reds in that in 10 seconds there, like. Yeah, that, that was that was borderline. That was if there was something between yellow and red, that that was probably it. And then we had the whole hoo ha with uh, the Waterford mentor coming down and getting involved, which he just like he he made a point. He he moved a fair distance to get involved, which is just there's no place for that. But Limerick hit the next three points after the, the sending off. Their ability to react and adapt yeah. mid game uh, is unparalleled. And just on this, I don't know if you follow the boxing much, boys, but with the time. Uh, Delahaye nearly beat Mayweather. All the talk was that he had the blueprint to beat him, and it was just—I think it was a split decision points defeat or something like that. So everybody thinks now that that Waterford have showed the blueprint to beat Limerick, and I just think it's That's fascinating. Dangerous. Yeah, very, very dangerous. And if it's a sort of idea where people think, "Oh, we can just copy exactly what Waterford did, and we're going to get the same results," uh, they're going to get a rude awakening come come the next couple of weeks. Uh, speculation in the papers this morning that the Seamus Flanagan incident was dealt with at the time that they thought it was accidental, and that he is therefore going to be free to play this weekend. Yeah, I was chatting to Colin Keyes about this yesterday. Um, Colin is always really good in these scenarios. He's, as we, you know, he's got great contacts and he talks to people about, you know, what's going on there. But apparently that was dealt with or spoken about at the time. So it's not something that they didn't see. Right. So it was spoken about at the time. And by all accounts, the conversations now mid game are all recorded as well. The way he described it was to me, it's like the black box on an airplane. You know, you can go back and hear everything that was said during the game. So essentially that seems to be dealt with. They, it's not something that they missed and can look back, be looked back at retro- retrospectively now. And by all accounts, Declan Hannon, who kind of limped off, he's going to miss probably their next two games anyway and might be back for the court game with a with a groin injury as well. Like, they have great panel depth and squad depth, but at the end of the day, they don't have a player like him that can be the quarterback and orchestrate things. So how they uh, react in his absence will be interesting. I, I, the worry for John Kiley might, might be just that it seeps into the narrative now and it seeps into referees' heads that Limerick are playing on the edge. They're also so physically big that if they, say if like, um, like Kyle Hayes just mistimes a tackle very, very marginally, he could just leather a fella without even trying. And like if that seeps in, John Kiley doesn't really want to be in games where you're down to 14 men for nearly a second half. Oh God, no, definitely not. And if you look at Hayes, Hayes already has a red um, from the league and as does William O'Donoghue. So if they were to pick up reds again, they'd actually miss two games, um, which would be have disastrous consequences, particularly if it was from the Munster final onwards. Now, this is not a new narrative. It's been, it's probably mm. been out, it's been, it's been out there for a while, but given the size of them, there is a duty of care. But when you're going in tackling someone that's 5'10", like you're 6'5", um, if you, if you meet them, what should be shoulder to shoulder for six five on six five is not shoulder to shoulder, and you could decapitate them. Like so, there is definitely a duty of care on them there. But I don't think this narrative is anything new. Mm. And generally, the last few years, it's been said, "Oh, Hegarty needs to be careful, or he'll get a red uh, come championship." The reds in championship have been few and far between. To be fair, um, I know Hegarty was sent off against Clare last year, and he kind of really minded himself there after, while still being robust enough. So I think it'll just help them probably reset a small bit and maybe realise 
they're probably even more marked men than they thought beforehand. That's why I think it's perfect for them in a way that they completely underperformed. They still get through the game. Like they kind of looked like they were going to win to me as well. Even even at fourteen men, I know like last season had a good goal chance. But other than that, like they were essentially le- they were essentially leading the whole game. Like and they kind of had them at three four points for nearly the entire second half as well. They had them at arm's length. I thought. Yeah, I think this is the, their slowest uh, uh, lowest score and return since the 2019 All-Ireland semi-final. Like, this is very low in comparison to what they're used to. They missed a penalty that Galan would rarely, rarely mm. miss. Galan missed a goal chance that he would rarely miss. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just... Um, a lot of things happened in this game, and Limerick still won. Yes, sir, so Galan, should me, get, Galan should get the penalty. Then there isn't a red card, because it was, it, was, it was a follow-on. And then that, that would have been, like, six or seven points game over, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, the, I, th- I just think there's a lot of things happen in this game that will not happen again. Yeah, and look, I, I, on the other side, I saw several people complaining that it was square ball for the penalty, and so therefore mm. it should have been a free out, and mm. you know, and like they missed freed on the other end. So, I can see if you're making a case for both teams to make the case. It's just that uh, they do need to step up their performance. They have proven in the past that they're able to step up their performance, even within games. So, that's why this week's game is really fascinating. Clare are very much up against it and they've caused their own problems with the goalkeeping issues last week. Yeah, like at the end of the day, um, we've probably all been in games or watched games where you're just thinking you make a couple of mistakes and you're always chasing. You're just always chasing and it, they're always there. That, that was always the difference and you have to feel sorry for, for Eamon Foodie because I, I looked at him playing Munster League this or I looked at him playing League as well. He's a very good keeper. Um, just It was a difficult kind of ball that came in from Jason Ford's sideline and it's just several different things added on to it. Like that, that short poke out that he took and got took the return, probably when you're after making a mistake earlier in the game, you probably just go along. You probably just play safe uh, in that scenario and get your confidence back up. And then there was the puck out to Conlon as well. Uh, I wasn't sure if he was if he was going to be hauled off at half time. So in fairness to Brian Lone, he he stuck with him. Um, but that was the only difference between the two teams, lads. Clare were brilliant at times. It was just those mistakes were always there. There'll be no problem with them trying to get up for playing Limerick in the Gaelic grounds on Saturday evening. I can, I can guarantee you that. Um, that obviously, Canark was with Clare 10 years ago when they won the All-Ireland Angus. So Brian, who's with Limerick now, was with Clare as well. Alan Cunningham is uh, a Clare native too. There's the rivalries um, either side of the Shannon are massive and I, I don't think they'll have any problem getting up for them. And they drew with them three times last year. It took extra time for Limerick to beat them in the Munster final. Um, and I don't think Saturday is... Um, do or die in a sense for Clare I think, think they can still get through if they beat Waterford and Cork they can still get through potentially on four points like, they're not going to think that going into Saturday no. night and they'll leave, they leave everything out there but I still think they can get through in third and four points Yeah you wouldn't be terribly surprised if this game was a draw again um, any any punchdown tips for us Michael? Before we um, I, 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 think, I always think punchdown is kind of a tricky one you're kind of Gauging some of the Cheltenham runners and how much it's taken out of them, I just tend to, like, how many, Johnny, how many odds on favourites have we today and tomorrow and over the next couple of days? I tend to go for something that goes in a bit fresh. Like, gentlemen, to me, is going against an argument today. Mm. You couldn't you couldn't see an argument being beaten, but then you have a fresh horse coming in against a horse that, you know, had fair exertions at... Um, at Cheltenham, I, I like Emmett's horse in the in the novice chase. Actually, Willie has four in it. Uh, Ferran, what's the, what's the pronunciation, John? Ferran, yeah, Illy, is it? Ferran Illy, yeah, yeah. I, he's I, actually ran in a bumper 
he's ran over hurdles and he's done chases all within the spare space of four months. Well, which he has to be has to be on hurdles. His first run over hurdles in a grade two. His first run over fences was a month later in a senior graded chase. Yeah. My last question for you though, before Jerry rudely interrupted, because we haven't even spoken about Galway. Well, we're, um, we're out of time. Out of time. One word: Who is the biggest rival to Limerick this year? Themselves. Oh. Oh, that's, good, uh, that's a good answer platonic very good wow <laughs> bring in the philosophy good stuff Michael <laughs> thanks Jen that is, that is a good answer Michael Verney there OCB AM with Gillette Labs get the ultimate shave or your money back Neon Night Edition available now